sending teams out, it was really hard in the moment to kind of harness what the heck we were doing, you know? And what I mean by that is like, are we making any impact? I mean, people are leaving with things, things are being wrapped. So I just wanted to give a quick snapshot of some things that we actually did last Sunday, things that we prepared, families that we helped. And I want to just kind of go over a quick little overview of those things. So first, we, um, we at the last minute decided to go shopping uh, to, to, to kind of create or prepare uh, over 40 care packages, of which we stuffed with things like socks, deodorant, uh, I don't know, toothpaste, I mean, they're hand warmers. We just, we stuffed these things. The reason we did it is our, our, our original goal was to go out into Harvard Square and Carroll, but it rained, and so we were trying to think of like, okay, how do we change this up to keep everything going? So we decided last minute, Janata and Will headed out to uh, the, what is it, what's, Christmas tree shop, and bought uh, things for care packages for over 50 people. And so during the day, we were able to, I think five teams, almost like every like 15, minute, 15 minutes, went out to Central Square and just passed these care packages out. There was only four left over by the end of the day. So that's awesome in and of itself. We also, um, the Target gift card kind of campaign that we did, we were able to, this Friday, drop off 60 $25 Target gift cards for the Cambridge Family and Children's Services here in Cambridge. They work with foster children. So that was awesome. Then we were able to provide for 22 families a full Christmas. Out of 42 families, Hilltop Church was able to provide 22 uh, individual families with their full Christmas list. So we wrapped all those gifts. They're going out Tuesday to the Crisis Pregnancy Center. Um, and then also, on top of that, we created three gift bags. I think over $700 came in for these um, appreciation baskets. And so we were able to send a team down to uh, two fire departments in Cambridge. We were able to send another team down to the police department. And man, the stories that came back were so encouraging. Uh, you know, their staff, people who worked at the fire department were just like, our, our, our team was asking, hey, how can we help? What, how can we pray for you? And they just opened up and gave us some things of which we could pray, pray for our city and whatnot. So it was a glorious time. So, guys, we, we really nailed it. We really nailed it. It went above and beyond my expectations. I, I, it really did. And I know these different organizations. You should have saw our, um, Janet was a girl. I think her name is Janet. You know, I, you're, I'm an awkward kind of guy. I, I went into the family, the Cambridge family and children's services to uh, present these 60 t- gift cards from Target. And I gave Janet a hug and she was like, who is this awkward guy? Like, seriously, I, 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 I just, I'm not good at reading people. I mean, Janet, she was obviously not interested in hugging me, but I, I like dove right for it. But anyways, she was blessed and she was encouraged by those gift cards. So I just... Wanted to give a quick little overview of the impact that we were able to make last Sunday. And if you were here and if you played a part and got a gift or a card or whatever it is that you did to make people's holidays even better, thank you, church. You, we, we, can we just clap for ourselves this morning? Just a big round of applause. All right. All right. I want to talk a little bit this morning about a day... In history, when everything changed in the world. And I can't, listen, that that statement can't be exaggerated. It really can't. I'm not being dramatic. The drama is already there. 
I mean, you just, you cannot embellish the, you know, you can't over embellish the things that God does. And, and, and this day, when everything changed in the world, was just one of those key days. The, 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 the day that things changed in the world didn't necessarily start off with the birth of a child, but it actually started off with an announcement, if you would. An announcement. Uh, the Gospel of Luke tells us that the angel Gabriel made a visit to Mary in the town of Nazareth. We know Mary in the Bible to be what? The mother of Jesus, right? And, and what's interesting about this announcement is that it comes to Mary on the heels of 400 years of silence. Now, let me explain. There was a time between the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, and the Gospels where apparently God went on a vacation. He went silent. He was said to be distant and not speaking and doing anything with his people. And suddenly, just suddenly, don't you love this about God? That he just has a way of just suddenly coming on the scenes of our mundane, boring existence, and in, with one word, one action, change everything. And this is no exception to what we see in God. He suddenly breaks in after 400 years of hanging out, taking a vacation. He wasn't vacationing, but, you know, he, he's silent and he's distant. And one day, he steps in, he sends his messenger to Mary with a message, actually, with good news. Somebody say good news. Now, say it like you actually like this kind of news. Say good news. Okay, let's do it one more time. Good news. The angel came to Mary with good news, great news. I love this about God, again, just to kind of brag on the big G-O-D. You know, he has a way in our lives to uh, just kind of break in at the right times, you know, in the right ways, you know. Uh, you know, it, it could be a time when you feel that God for a long time has done nothing, said nothing in your life, and then just suddenly he drops in on the scene of your life. And with maybe one word, one action, maybe some provision, whatever it might be, he changes everything. Is there anybody in this room that could testify of that? Is there anybody here today, just one person that could say, I love this about God? Is there somebody who could say this morning that, you know, I didn't know how I was going to pay that bill? I didn't know if, if I was going to be able to cover rent. And, and then suddenly God broke in. I, I, my, Michelle's like, amen, hallelujah. Is there somebody here who have encountered the suddenlies in life? Or better yet, is there somebody in here who maybe at one point your marriage was on the fritz? It was on the rocks, man. You didn't know if you were going to make it through that patch of hardship with your spouse. But yet, suddenly, God broke through. Come on, you can clap. It's a safe place. We're not at a funeral this morning. It's all right. This is church. Is there one person, I don't know, that you could say with confidence, I beat that sickness, even though the doctors gave me no hope. Man, I can stand on that today. Maybe not necessarily for me, but my son, I saw the suddenlies of God break through in his heart. And I just happen to believe that this time right here, when God is visiting Mary, is a suddenly moment. Changes everything. He's silent, and then he says, hey, by the way, I'm here. Oh, 
and better yet, you're going to conceive the Son of the Most High. I would, I would, I would forget about fear. I don't know what Mary was fearing. I would, I would run. I'd be like, ah, it's an angel of light. Ah. I mean, the fact that God is doing anything after his time off is epic in itself. Now, hear me. I'm not saying God took a time off. Listen, you have to, you have to deal out with the scholars who talk about a time in history when it seemed as though the heavens were brass. That's what scholars write about that 400 year of silence. Or it almost appeared as though the gates of heaven, one scholar said, were shut and locked tight. Could you remember? Could you, could you imagine that? But then it's amazing that God would do anything at this moment. Uh, but, but telling Mary, again, she's going to conceive the Son of God. Now, I know it's not a work, but that is a work of epicness. That is a whole nother level of, whew, that is a whole another level of, take my breath away. Come on, any Top Gun fans here? Hey, they coming out with another run. Am I showing my age? Top Gun, anybody? Maverick, Goose, okay, one guy's okay. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm that age. <laughs> this announcement was epic. It was epic regarding what was shared with Mary that day. But you know what? Beyond the story being epic, it serves and it kind of reminds us of something else sometime now down the road. It, it reminds us of God's faithfulness. It really does. It reminds us that God is faithful to accomplish every promise according to his word. This is important. This is very important. I'm sure it was important to those in Mary's day. And maybe even Mary herself. I wonder how many people in Mary's day had lost hope. I wonder. Mary herself. If she had lost hope, you see, there was a lot of promises between Genesis and, and Malachi. And then you add on top of that the 400 years of silence of this coming promised Messiah. And you're just in limbo waiting. And on top of that, you have 400 years of God saying nothing and doing nothing. Oh, I imagine there was a lot of hope that was lost. If you take everything that was spoken between the Old Testament and the New and those 400 years of silence, there's a pretty significant amount of time that passes until Jesus steps on the world stage. I imagine that many people had lost their hope. Their hope had become weary and faint. They maybe even have become exhausted because you know what? The thing about it is these 400 years alone, just to give you a snapshot of the 400 years alone, were met with such hardship for the Jews. Just, you just take the 400 years alone. Let's, historically speaking, there's a lot that happened in the Old Testament with the Jewish people. Uh, some of us know that. But in those 400 years alone, groups like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and synagogues began to emerge. Rome, Roman governors, and our favorite family, Herod's family, emerges onto the scene in, those in that time. None were present in the Old Testament. None were. But things really got heated up in a bad way just before 63 B.C. when the Jewish people were forced to worship uh, gods like Zeus. And, and if they didn't worship Greek gods, 
they would have been persecuted even unto the point of death. I'm sorry, I spit when I say the word P. But it's going to happen. So they're being persecuted. If they refuse to worship these great gods, oh man, the, the punishment was severe. Severe. And this is what's going on in that 400 year stent of God being silent while they're waiting all the while and hearing new promises and reading old promises of this coming Savior. And you know what? To top it all off, they're disappointed when the Messiah comes. So they're not only just waiting and going through such hardship when Jesus comes, they're like, is that it? What? That's our Savior? That persecution resulted in what we call, or what they call, the Maccabean Revolt, which was a response to the persecution. And this revolt um, gained uh, the Jews independence for a brief time, and then our good friends, the Romans, took over. And at this time, both uh, Greek, uh, the Greek culture, excuse me, and Jewish culture, the, the, the atmosphere was tense. Things that were going on in Rome just kind of stoked up those fires. And people, well, let's just say, it wasn't the easiest of times. It wasn't like for those 400 years, people just got to hit the cruise control button and just like, hey, we just wait. We'll just cruise on through. Life. You know, we're not talking about America-type you know, religion. We're talking, about, we're talking about faith that's being persecuted while waiting for promises. There are countless other Conditions that we don't have time to even touch upon this morning. But I, I say that to say this. The tension or the setting, that's the word I want, the setting was right. It was just right for hope's arrival. It, there, there, the, the, the things that were happening, the persecution that was going on, oh, it was the right, it's almost like, it's almost like God waits for the worst time to bring about the greatest promises. Can anybody, can anybody resonate? Does anybody resonate with that? You know, you're just, you feel like sometimes you're hanging on to the end of that rope. I don't know, God. Man, if this goes another day. And then God says, this is the right time. I'm going to break in. I'm going to give them hope. I'm going to give them hope in their finances. This is what's happening. We ultimately sometimes prefer the setting to be different, don't we? We, we ultimately would like promises that just come in times of ease and being relaxed and comfortable, but sometimes God just wastes those last minutes. And we don't know. Oh God, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to make it through this storm. And then God breaks in. Man, I got a couple people. God often breaks onto the scene when we people, his people, fall on hard times. When we have little to nothing to hope for and little to nothing to hope in. We need hope, don't we, church? We do. It's crucial. It's crucial as believers to have hope and not just some kind of cross my finger kind of hope. There's too many Christians with the, oh man, I hope this. 
but, a, but an assurance that even though things may be delayed, God is still faithful to his promise. Is there anybody here that can resonate with that? We need hope. Hope is crucial. In this story, this story, this story of this messenger coming to Mary is a story of hope. It's a story of hope. True story. Oh, sorry to use story and story so close together. But um, I was really kind of lost for words uh, this week. I guess um, not words, but thoughts about hope and trying to tie it into some kind of redemptive narrative that would encourage you and feed you uh, this morning. And I um, sat down with my family Tuesday night, and I just tried something different, you know, tried something different, something that I've never done before. And I said, hey, guys, what are your thoughts about hope? And, and then I went as far to say, could you guys answer for me this? Why is hope important? Why is hope important? And now, I don't want to throw my family under the bus, but it was the most ridiculous conversation I've ever had with two human beings in my whole life, in my whole life. I'm thinking, surely I'm going to get something out of this. My wife is like Mother Teresa incarnate. Uh, my, my son, we're still hoping and praying for his salvation, but he's close, he's close, he's, he's near, he's near to the kingdom of God. This needs to be pushed over the edge. And so, um, I hope for something good to come out of the conversation, and honestly, um, nothing really good <laughs> came out of the conversation. And I, I was disappointed, i got to be honest, you know, thinking, thinking, you know, surely, surely. So I said, you know, why is it important to have hope? I, my wife perked up immediately. Well, it's, it's important to have hope because hope deferred makes the heart sick. <laughs> did, did you just say that? Like, what? I, I mean, I get it, but I, I, unfortunately, unfortunately, I, w I was not looking for a hope that ends with disappointment and how to kind of, you know, cure like, oh, I was let down. That didn't happen, you know? So I immediately just wrote her off to be no good. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding, guys. Relax, relax. And, 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 you know, I don't even know if I should share Abram's response. Uh, <laughs> But, I, but you know what, honestly, honestly, just to give them both some credit this morning, um, as I thought about it Wednesday and Thursday, I was like, you know, there's something to what they said. But this is Abram's response. He goes, well, without hope, you get drowsy. <laughs> without hope, you get, without hope, you get drowsy. What? Did you just say that? Did I, did I hear you right? Seriously, I'd ask them about two or three times. Am I hearing you right? Did you just say what I think you said? And sure enough, that's what he said. But, but again, I, I, I believe there's too many Christians trying to just deal with what they're going to do when they're let down. You know, and, and, and how they're going to deal with you know, a, a disappointment when they hope for something and it doesn't come to fruition. But you see... The promises, or the promise of the coming Messiah was a promise delayed. It wasn't a promise that was going to end in disappointment. Can I tell you another promise that's not going to end in disappointment? It's his coming back. Can I tell you, although we may be delayed, he's coming one day. And friend, you and I are going to kneel before him. And we're going to give an account. 
But, 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 but again, there's too many Christians. I, I feel like just living with like a cross my finger kind of hope. And I'm just, I'm not into that kind of hope. Listen, I'm not into the kind of hope where like when it comes to the Patriots, I'm like, give us one more Super Bowl before Brady retires. Like, like that's fine. I'm, 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 that's, that's kind of like, I hope that happens. But I'm not, I'm not talking about that kind of hope. I'm talking about placing my hope in something that may be delayed, but is sure to happen. Am I, can I get charismatic with you today? Come on, some of you ought to start acting like charismatics. You know you love being crazy and loud. I'm not yelling at you. I'm yelling for you. I, I don't even know if that makes sense. It doesn't even make sense to me. But I'm not yelling at you. I'm just... I'm happy about these truths, right? I get excited. And they got to be shouted. they got to be screamed. Too many of us just like, oh, I just hope for this breakthrough. I just hope for these finances. I just hope, I hope that my son, I do hope for this. I hope that my son gives his heart to Jesus. But you know what? My son is kind of cool. He's, he's prophetic in a sense because when he said, you know, Without hope, you're drowsy. Yeah, I can kind of see that in Christians. Yeah, it's kind of lazy, drowsy, uh, sluggish attitude with everything. Christians be drowsy without hope. They be kind of lame. Ain't nobody wanting to follow them, listening to them. Come on, you've been given what? A living hope, the Bible says. See, guys, today, your hope is not in your bank account. Dare I say it's not in your education. Your, your hope can't be in that. Because you'll be let down. Got more people living in their parents' basements these days than having a good job that they wanted. Oh, I, I said it. I said it. But your hope can't be placed in that. You have a living hope. Your hope is in Christ. It may be delayed, but you will not be disappointed, friend. Am I preaching? I feel like I'm preaching this morning. I just... Listen, I'm not trying to be... No, I won't even say it. to find myself in my notes if that's okay. You know, I want to, I'm going to try to navigate us through this next point. It's not going to be easy, so I'm going to need your ears, okay? I'm going to have to teach a little bit. Hopefully it goes over well. Hopefully you have a heart that can receive and ears that can hear. Um, there's, yeah, <laughs> look out for falling <laughs> or, or ornaments. They may take your eye out. How is it, are you like me, I don't really see the importance of something, I don't see the value of something, really, I don't know if I'm the only one, I don't know if there's something wrong with me, I don't know if I need to go see a counselor, I probably do, some of you are saying yes, go see one, but, but I don't know what it is about me um, that I don't necessarily view something special and precious um, Unless it's something that either at one point I've lived without or have gone without, you know what I'm saying? For, for example, as a kid growing up, um, 
we never had like designer clothing. Okay, we were poor. I don't think our, our, I don't think we had carpet on our floors until I was like 13. We would all walk around on plywood, get slivers, and go to the hospital for blood poison. It was, it was yucky. So we were poor. We were poor. We were a family of five trying to make it. But we never had like the hip clothes, right? I mean, hold, never mind. Um, but we never, and, and so I would go to school, and man, my parents tried. Man, they tried so hard to try to make us have the right things to fit in and stuff like that, that they gave us like the knockoff brand of these clothings, you know, like, so like, anybody familiar with Z Calvarici? Raise your hands if you know what I'm talking about. Come on, don't even, yeah, there got one brother. Anybody, yeah, 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 you know. Bum equipment, anybody know about bum equipment? All right, all right, I got one, one, two, yes, yes. Okay, guest jeans, guest jeans, raise your hand. Yeah, guest jeans, okay, got like three or four people. Everybody's loosening up as time goes on. Other people are raising their hand, I guess I couldn't too. But we never went out. My parents went as far to kind of just like get us the knockoff brand. It was kind of like the brands that didn't feel like the right, you know, clothes. I don't know if it was a cotton they were made out of, but they just, like you, you got them and you're like, oh, this is nasty. Like what's going on? They just doesn't hang right, doesn't smell right, doesn't look right. And, and the words were kind of like, they weren't like the real kind of bum equipment words. They were kind of like, Maybe a lowercase u. <laughs> Everybody would look, you know, if you're familiar with bum equipment, it had all uppercase letters. And, and when you had the knockoff version, you know, you had to, like, settle for a lowercase u. It's just the way it went. And so my parents tried, but the funny thing about it is my friends railed on me. They sniffed a fake. They sniffed a fake. They're like, that is not real. And I paid for it. I paid for it severely. But then I got a job. Then I got a job, and then I started buying my own clothes around high school. And things, a miracle happened in my life. Things started changing for me socially. I, I bought me some bum equipment shirts and some Z Calvarici jeans. And man, all of a sudden I went from zero to hero. I went from not ever being invited to a party to always being invited to a party. You know, is there anybody that can relate? But I didn't really understand the importance. And this is kind of a bad example. I'll admit, it's the best I got today. So get off me. Get off me. I don't judge me. I, Things changed when I got these clothes, and I started realizing the importance of things like these clothing so that I could fit in with certain, you know, people that I wanted to fit in with. And, and I didn't really understand the importance of this clothing until I actually was able to afford my own. Because honestly, growing up, it wasn't a big deal to me other than I could not fit in. Now, you may think that's kind of weak. Listen, when I grew up in high school, I don't know how things or how shallow things are now, but things were pretty shallow when I was in ninth grade, and you were liked for things like your hair, what brand clothing you had, you know, where you lived, and so the odds were stacked against you if you weren't uh, of, of a certain pedigree. But I didn't really understand the importance of, you know, how different things like this help you, you know, achieve dis- different uh, things in life, and I guess for me it was at that point um, just being able to be invited over somebody's house or, um, you know, going to a party. Am I making sense? Some of y'all look at me like, what is he talking about? My point in, is this, and this is where you want to listen. Uh, throw all that other stuff out and just listen on this. My point is this. I believe that in order to deepen our awareness in connection to hope, 
I, and I, I believe, I, I'm seriously convicted about this. In order to do that, we need to realize how hopeless life was apart from God's saving grace. Remember I said you, you kind of don't necessarily understand how something is important and, and how to really value something unless you've gone without it. Friends, at one point, we were without the grace of God. And Ephesians chapter 2, 11 through 13 points this out for, for us. If you want to put this on the screen, it's the ESV, Ephesians 2, 11 through 13. It says, therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision, by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having what? No hope. No hope. Could you imagine a life without hope? Having no hope without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. It's almost like Paul is saying, you won't know how to hope, how to truly hope, unless you understand and value through understanding how hopeless things were at one point in our lives. So remember, remember is the exhortation here. Some of us need our hope renewed this morning, I imagine, me included. Um, we all crave, I believe, for the sparks and the flames of a living hope burning inside of us. And rightly so, we should, friends, we should. And so the question this morning and the question I hope to answer in closing is how do we maintain hope? Because I can, you know, kind of breathe some wind on the embers of hope, but it's your job Monday morning when you wake up to keep that hope burning inside of you. So how do we maintain hope? And I, my answer is simple. Simple and it's short. And some of you are grateful for that. We maintain hope. Ready for it? It's going to be a heavy one, okay? It's going to make your head spin, all you intellects, you know? <laughs> I almost said something. I'm not going to do it. We maintain hope by remembering that we once were without hope. It is as simple as that. We can't lose sight, meaning we can't afford to forget nor reduce. Hear me this morning. We cannot reduce nor trivialize the importance and the power of our salvation. When Paul says, remember, guys, he's not just saying, hey, listen, from time to time, could you take into consideration, could you at, at one point, maybe in your week or in your month or in your year, if you happen to, just remember how precious your salvation is? No, Paul is commanding us, actually. If you study the word, uh, remember, he is commanding us to do such. Paul seems to think that it might benefit us some if we remember how things were before Christ, how things were before I got the name brand sweater. in order to have hope in the saving grace of God. Can I, can I close with this? 
This is my closing words. If I can have the worship team come up, because I think the most appropriate way to close out today is maybe just with some celebration. Um, but can I, just, can I just briefly break down what I think the greatest danger facing the church today? It's simple. It's a paragraph long. It's a paragraph long. The greatest danger facing the church today is not Oprah. The greatest danger facing the church today is not, sorry, Republicans, it's not the Democrats. It's not uh, Beyonce. It's not worldliness. It's not prayerlessness. It's, it's not any of these things. My conviction is that the greatest danger that faces the church today is treating our salvation as if it's no big deal. As if it's no big deal. See, there is so much at stake when we do that. We don't understand that even some of our core problems in life, things that grieve us, things that we don't understand about ourselves, we don't understand the hypocrisy, we don't understand how we could love Christ but yet talk to our wives like we talk to them, or our children like we talk to them, or treat our girlfriends like we treat them. We don't understand that it's tied to not just uh, uh, behaviors, it's tied, I believe, with all seriousness, it's tied to a loss of viewing your salvation as precious. We should treat our salvation as the greatest thing in the world. In short, church, this is what I'll close with. If you want to learn how to obtain and maintain hope, you must first realize that at one point you're without hope. Stand to your feet. We're going to close in worship. And, you know, I just think we should worship God because we've understood now, we understand right now the hope that Jesus Christ gave to the world some thousands of years after. Now, I want you to hold on tight because after we're going to rejoice here, we're going to share some cool things about um, an organization that's doing great work. So hold on. But I want to close out with at least, can we do at least five minutes of just giving God's thank, giving God thanks this morning? Can we do that? Worship team.